Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So yesterday, yesterday was the 20th of August, I interviewed Julie Ford from the Hemel Property Group. And Julie is a compliance expert when it comes to all things property. Now, on Monday next week, we are expecting the ban on evictions to be lifted in England. So we discussed all things evictions and what you should know what you need to know about the process, what you need to do in order to make sure you can gain possession. Now, that was yesterday. Now, we know that in the property world, things move really, really fast. Now, we are hearing rumours at the moment. There are rumbles in the communities that the government are looking potentially to extend the eviction ban. Now, we don't know yet. It's not been confirmed. So I would say to you, watch this space. By the time you've listened to the podcast, things may have changed. But currently, we are expecting some news to say that the extension to the ban on court evictions could be extended and we are expecting an announcement today. However, listen to the podcast because there are loads of really good nuggets on what you can do, what you should do when it comes to evicting your tenants. Now, this broadcast is going to replace today's property news because I think it's way more important that everybody understands the process and if and when I should say probably when the government announce any changes which we are expecting today. It has to be done today, otherwise it's going to be too late. I will then report back to you to give you all of the latest news. But until then, please enjoy the interview with Julie Ford. Good afternoon, everyone. We are live. It's one o'clock. It's Thursday, the 20th of August. And today we've got an extra special live broadcast for you. Now, you may know, and if you didn't know, you may have been living under a rock, that the courts are reopening on Monday, the 24th, this Monday, when it comes to evictions. So there are so many things that we want to tell you to help you make sure that you get this right because everything has changed and everything is going to be very different moving forwards. So this emergency live is going to bring in an expert in compliance, Julie. I'm going to bring Julie into the feed in a second um, to talk about what we can expect moving forwards and what you need to do, what you need to be aware of when it comes to the new eviction protocols. So what we have to do here, folks, is you have to say hi. You've got to tell us where you're from so we know you're watching live. Now, what we would like to do is keep this as interactive as possible. So for everyone that's going to be watching, it's going to be a busy one. Put your questions in and then Julie and myself can get to your questions towards the end and we can almost do a live Q&A, all right? So, Andrew, good morning. Being clock watching, so not to miss this. Good morning, Atanis. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Greg. Um, so say hi, folks. Good morning. Uh, Steve, so no, I got the date wrong. Good morning, Mario. Good morning, Glenn. So we've got loads of people giving shout outs already. Good morning from Atanis in Woking. Okay, so folks, without further ado, I would like to introduce you to our very own Julie. Where are you, Julie? Are you here? 
Can't see you. Here you are. Julie, this is Julie Ford, everybody. And Julie I'm is here. from the Hemlock Property Network. And Julie is going to be discussing everything you need to be aware of when it comes to tenant eviction. So, Julie, could you just explain to the viewers um, your background and what it is that, you know, you've been doing in the property sector? And then we can go straight into the eviction elements that's going to be happening on Monday. Absolutely. Thanks very much for having me on, Rick. I really appreciate it. And it's great to get all this information out to our listeners um, and landlord and letting agents alike. So I've got 25 years um, in the industry and um, private rented sector. I started in asset and property management. As some of you will know, um, I manage portfolios for quite celebrity clients like Ricky Gervais and some A-list footballers. Um, and then I moved into the quieter side of residential property management, um, local letting agents, etc. Um, I did spend six years on the dark side. I went to work for the Citizens Advice, um, where I was a housing and homeless law specialist for them. Um, don't do that, Rick. Don't do it. <laughs> um, and I also work for homeless charities as well on their lease option side. Um, and after all of that, I moved into working for myself and I now work with landlords and letting agents on making sure their business is compliant um, from both sides. And um, basically now working on all the new information that's coming with the Coronavirus Act and making sure that everyone is really up to date with what's happening because it is an ever moving beast and it's changing literally overnight at times. It is, Julie. Thank you for that introduction. I just got a load of feedback then for some reason. Don't know what happened there. We are at the elements of the internet, unfortunately. So, Julie, um, the as you said, you know, the environment is changing. It's ever evolving. And there are so many different conflicting reports out there that um, talk about the eviction process and what is changing, what's going to happen. Now, I'm not going to go into a rant. I'm not doing rants today. We are going to talk a little bit about some of the opposition and some of the things that maybe I discuss every day on my newsfeed. But before we get there, can you tell us really what's happening at the moment regarding evictions and possession orders? So let's start with Monday. What's happening on Monday and what can we expect? Bit of an open question. Okay, so Monday, what's going to happen is the courts are going to reopen. So since the 27th of March, courts have been closed, the doors have been shut, nothing has been going on with regards to possession. Now, other cases have been going on because that hasn't been affected by this practice directive. But on Monday, the 24th of August, the courts will reopen and possession claims can start to be processed again. Now what's really important to understand here is that the legislation that we're going to talk about today doesn't actually come into effect. It's not law until Sunday the 23rd of August. So nobody can do anything until it actually becomes law. We can look at what we can do to prepare ourselves but there's nothing we can physically do to speed up the process. Also I just want to make people aware that even though the courts close their doors it didn't stop landlords actually serving notice. So what's, what I've heard from a lot of people on social media is a misunderstanding. They believed that as soon as the courts closed, there was a ban on serving notices, and that's not the case at all. Landlords have been able to continue to serve notice and also continue to put the claims in the court, although once it goes through the court's letterbox, it would then just sit there um, in limbo until we reopened on Monday. Okay, so when the Coronavirus Act 
came out and people were starting to um, get a little bit confused about what they could and what they couldn't do. Now, let's just say for everyone at the moment, we're talking about England because Wales and Scotland have got their own thing going on right now. So at the moment, this is just for England. So, Julie, my first question to you is, what does this mean for private landlords? And I mean by that, if there are people watching now and they had tenants that they'd already served eviction notice prior to lockdown and the coronavirus act, what do they need to do now to make sure they can follow through with that possession order? Okay, really good question. And there's some key information here. So the first thing to understand is when you served that notice, because notices have a shelf life. So if you served a section 21, that section 21 is only valid for six months. So if you served it in January and you've been dragging your heels, you've lost your opportunity to put your application into the court. You've got to serve a new section 21. Section 8s are valid for 12 months. So again, it's mindful of when you serve those notices. However, if you've served your notice and it's expired in the last month or so, um, or you've served it and it's due to expire soon, then you need to get your application into the court. So it's your claim for possession needs to be put into the court. If you've already done that and your claim was then just sitting dormant in, in the court process, you need to serve a reactivation notice. Now, I can go into more detail of the reactivation notice um, with regards to what that needs. Do you want me to do that now, Rick? We're going to yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are people out there that are going to be in this situation. And there are people that will have served notice and probably are just sitting on the fence right now because they don't know what to do. Um, you know, if anyone's listening that is in that situation now, type in, please. You need to keep this interactive. What we're going to do is treat this as a surgery to help you all move forwards to know what to do before Monday. So, yes, Julie, what, what is the reactivation notice? What needs to be in it? Where can people get one from? Okay, so the reactivation notice is not in prescribed form. You can't get it from anywhere. This is something that we're going to have to draft ourselves and make up as we go along. Um, there are some organisations out there that I've seen that have started drafting um, template reactivation notices, but because they're going to be so specific to people's individual circumstances, it's going to be very hard to get a template of one. Now, there's key dates here as well that that's important. If you put your claim into the court, so your claim possession into the court or the 3rd of August, it will not be restarted when the doors open Monday. It will just sit there in a box gathering dust. So you'll have to serve this reactivation notice. Now, that reactivation notice must do several things. First of all, it must tell the court what it is you want the court to do with your possession claim. So do you want it listed? Do you want it relisted? Do you want a hearing or do you want it referred? If you don't put that information in, the courts won't know what you want it to do. The next thing you need to do is also tell the court how coronavirus has affected your tenant and the tenant's dependents. Now, if you literally have had no interaction with your tenant whatsoever, and you don't know what the impact is, then that's all you can put. I do not know. But this isn't going to bode very well when it goes in front of a judge and you've had three or four months to engage with your tenant in some way. 
If you do know what's happened to your tenant, so they've been furloughed or they're on universal credit, you have to put all of that information into this reactivation notice. Now, interestingly, you have to serve this reactivation notice on both the court and the tenant. The tenant then has 14 days to object to the reactivation notice, basically like an appeal to the court. This is just an added bit of admin. This isn't a change to the way evictions will be processed. It's just an added bit of admin just to slow everything down. This also applies to accelerated possession claims. Now, normally we would just see the accelerated possession claim go in with a section 21 and it would just fly through the courts and you wouldn't really get involved. But an accelerated possession claim also needs one of these reactivation notices. So it's really important to know that any claim put in before the 3rd of August must have a reactivation claim. If you've put your claim in since the 3rd of August, then you will have to provide all of this additional information at the hearing. You don't need to then bring it in additionally. After the 3rd of August, it doesn't need to be reactivated. The courts will act on it as it happens. But if it was prior to the 3rd of August, it needs this reactivation notice. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Julie. So what, when, when, when the landlords have to put this reactivation notice together, I know there's no prescribed information at the moment. So they include all of the above and everything you've just mentioned. Where do they send it to? Do they send it to their local court, the court that they applied for the possession hearing? Um, you know, if they've done it online, if they've gone for a possession hearing online, where do they send this reactivation notice to? Okay, that's a really good question because what will happen, whether you've served it online or whether you've put it in the post, um, the claim that is, first of all, your um, claim will usually be heard at the hearing of the court, sorry, closest to the property. So if you, for example, live here in Hemel Hempstead, but your property happens to be in Portsmouth, it's likely the hearing would be at the court closest to Portsmouth. So you need to make sure that you're sending your reactivation notice to the court that is going to hear your possession claim, not necessarily the court um, that you, you sent it to. So when you're doing it online, you would have already been given um, the court closest to you. So for us for here, it's Watford, we know that. Um, you would be sending it directly to Watford. But you must remember you've got to send it to the tenant as well. If you don't send it to the tenant, the courts can turn around and adjourn your case or in cases they can throw it out. Or the tenant's last known address. Yeah. Because if the tenant, if people are doing things properly and they are seeking possession on a room they suspect is vacant, it will have to be at the last known address, won't it? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So what do landlords need to do to make sure they know that that reactivation notice has been received? That's a really good question. And, and unfortunately, there isn't an answer to it. I would definitely advise people not to email the courts with their reactivation notices. We know that a lot of the courts have just got an email address that just sits there and is monitored maybe once a week, twice a week. So get it posted, get a recorded delivery and just make sure you get it signed for. You know once someone at the court has signed for it, you know it's been delivered. So that's the most important thing to do. And the same with the tenant, get it signed for. Good advice. Okay, so moving forwards to Monday and actually, no, we'll stop just for a second. So people that are in the system right now and they've maybe served notice um, a couple of months ago. They've given the three-month notice period. 
when is that case now likely to be here? Does this mean now, Julie, that because we're opening the doors on Monday, or hopefully we will, you know, there's still time for people to change, but does that mean that um, possession hearings will be heard straight away? And does it mean that landlords, you know, effectively from next week can start getting their properties back? No, unfortunately not. This new practice directive has put in some time limits that we didn't previously have with regards to possession claims. So the court now has to give 21 days notice of a hearing. So if the doors open on Monday, you've still got 21 days before you're going to get your hearing. So that's really important to understand. And also knowing that the tenants have got that 14 day period to object, they can also, you know, ask for the hearing to be changed. We're not expecting anybody to get a hearing until at least around the 20th of September. We're expecting the first hearings to be heard. The first hearing from the backlog? Yeah. Right, okay. What Do you know what the backlog is at the moment, Julie? Have you got that information? We haven't got exact information. Unfortunately, the stats are a bit sketchy. Um, but we do know back in April when we had clear stats, there were 40,000 that were sat in limbo. Now, we can only imagine that that has, has maybe doubled um, in the time since April because we do know that people have continued to put their games through. But 40,000 was the exact number um, of April this year. I think it's gone nuts. <laughs> For that feedback, this is a little bit of an observation, um, perhaps more than anything else. But I think you know, since um, the coronavirus act came in, um, the government didn't give any special cases or any special expedition for antisocial behavior or for domestic violence or for anything really that we needed to expedite through the system. Um, you know, in hindsight, Julie, do you think this could have been handled better? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, the problem with this legislation is it came out and it just gave a blanket piece of information across the board. It didn't take into consideration people that had maybe had rent arrears prior to lockdown. And it didn't take into consideration the emotional and physical impact that would be had on people that were experiencing social um, antisocial behaviour and in most extreme cases, domestic violence. Now, the problem is the law doesn't really work very well as it, as it is with regards to these situations. And I think that from a structured point of view, looking at evictions, really, we should have been looking at a better way of um, serving notice on people that were antisocial, that were committing domestic violence and that had rent arrears prior that had nothing to do with COVID those should have still been dealt with in some way. It wasn't going to add to any homelessness situation because those people would still be dealt with by the council in exactly the same way if they'd have been evicted six months prior. Yeah, we've seen loads of people in the forums and everywhere else going through this really horrible transition where they just cannot do anything because the courts have not been open. Now, hopefully this is going to start to get easier and to get better. So we've just covered the pre-activation protocols. Now, what happens now, Julie, moving forwards with um, new evictions. So if I want to evict a tenant and I decide for whatever reason, I want to evict a tenant this month um, and it's not an existing possession order, what is the system now that we have to follow? 
So the system is very similar to what we've, we've followed previous to lockdown. So you're going to be serving your notice. Now, we need to understand, again, key dates. Notice is still going to be three months notice. This doesn't end until the 30th of September. So when the courts reopen, don't automatically think we're now going back to two months notice we're not so you'd serve your three months notice as normal and then you would just as normal put in your claim for your possession however with this claim you're going to have to put in your additional information about coronavirus the one thing i do want to point out is if you're going for rent arrears so you're using ground eight um and you're using you're using section eight sorry ground eight ten and eleven you are gonna have to prove and provide to the court two years worth of rent statements now obviously if your tenant's only been in there six months you can only provide six months absolutely but if your tenant has been in there two years or longer you have to provide a minimum of two years rent statement to the court now that has to be with the reactivation notice that we talked about earlier but it also has to be if you're just putting your notice in and you're claiming as normal after the third of august Okay. Do you think really that when it comes to September, the government will extend that notice period again? I don't want to say yes or no, to be honest with you, because at the moment we're not really sure what the government's doing. You know, they've just had this huge U-turn on um, the exam results. So it's very possible that they could extend it. It's very possible. It'll mm. only mean that we will extend the three months. I don't think we're going to extend notice periods beyond three months. So from September, it might just be a case of we're not reverting back to two months. We're sticking with the three months notice until March next year, for example. We're yeah, not going to follow in the where we're going to have suddenly a six months notice period i can't see that happening yeah well yeah. there's still time there is still time now okay so we've gone through the protocol so pre-existing tenants reactivation notice really important send that to your local court that's dealing with the eviction and if you can try and get proof of postage and you've also got to serve that on the tenant as well to their last known address. They get 14 days. So moving forward into new notice, section 21 or section 8, it's still three months, but you've got to provide the court with the last two years rent statements. If you don't do that, folks, you won't get a hearing. And there was, there is nothing. I'm an ex-cop and I know how important it is to get your paperwork right. Now, this is law in general, and this is the way the court system works. It's not just with evictions. If I turned up at court to represent a case, a criminal case, and my paperwork was not in order, despite how strong my evidence was, it would not get heard. It would just be adjourned until you put your, your junk together. There's no different in the eviction courts, folks. You've got to make sure that your junk is together. Now, Julie, in your experience, there are, I mean, I've got, you know, I don't know, 40,000 sort of landlords in my community or thereabouts. Most of them are active. Not everyone is an expert in everything, and that's okay. Would you suggest that people that don't really know too much about the eviction process, that they either, number one, save money and do it themselves, or number two, pay a professional to do it for them? I would absolutely say time and time again, if you are not experienced in the eviction process, please don't try and do it yourself. It is so easy to get it wrong. And if you get it wrong, it's going to be an expensive mistake to make because you're going to lose your court fees. It's quite possible that the tenant could then come after you for some compensation later down the line. Yes, it's expensive 
expensive at times to get eviction specialists involved but trust me from the long journey of an eviction you really want somebody who knows exactly what they're doing it's what they do every day get an eviction specialist to help you it's really not worth trying to cut those corners and fill those forms out yourself julie what do you think oh, sorry i was waiting for the feedback to go there so anyway, i've got my head in the toilet but if you can hear that folks you probably can it's just the internet it's just the way life is now isn't it um what do you think julie um in terms of if we have i asked you i don't think i have asked you and i know that before when you served the section eight notice effectively depending on what grounds they were whether they were mandatory or um or not you could give you know three weeks notice and if the tenant left then great all good then you could go to court quite quickly expedite it you could have that tenant out if you worked really quickly and proactively probably within four to six weeks what are the predictions now in terms of getting tenants out you know i know that depends on which article you read i mean some of the articles that i read now are saying that it could take up to 12 months yeah, I mean, I think those are realistic timelines. I mean, if you are getting your hearing date straight off the bat on Monday morning and you're getting your hearing date for September, by the time the process has gone through, we're not expecting realistically to see the first evictions until early to mid-2021. That's a killer, isn't it? This isn't going to be the new normal, you know. Um, I'm going to come on to a couple of the left-wing stuff in a minute, and I'm not going to rant, and you can't make me, and no one can make me. I'm going to go to comments for now, Julie. I've got a lot more questions to ask, but we have got some comments coming in. So let's go to uh, Geo. Geo is saying, assuming this could all change if we go back into a second lockdown city by city. Going to throw that to you, Julie. Not entirely sure what the question means, but have you got any thoughts on that? Um, my, th I'm just interpreting your your question, Geo. Um, you can't implement different um, legislation in different areas. So, for example, if Birmingham went on lockdown tonight, they couldn't change their eviction process for Birmingham. This is law that covers the whole of England. So it would have to be a whole of the country change. So, no, if um, individual city by cities had their changes in lockdown, it wouldn't affect the eviction process for them individually. Thank you, Julie. Andrew is saying, surely not for Section 8, the rent statement. Is the rent statement for Section 21 and Section 8, or is it both? Either or, sorry. No, it's, it's only for Section 8 where the claim is based on rent arrears. So if you're using ground 8, 10, on a, 10 or 11, you will need to provide two years' worth of rent statement to the court. Right, thank you. And um, Sammy's saying better to get it signed delivery. So Sammy's referring to the pre-action protocols. Get it signed for, at least you've got some proof, haven't you, then, if you get your hearing. Now, Julie, is this a case of literally standing outside the court on Monday with your paperwork? You know, um, is it going to be in court or is it going to be online? What, what, are the new, what are the new normals going to be, do you think, in order to get things moving quickly in the system? OK, so no one is going to be standing on the court on Monday morning other than the protesters that we've heard about in the news. Um, if you literally go to the court with your pre-action, with your reactivation notice in your hand, it's likely to be turned away simply because the court processes haven't been put in place with regards to being able to accept documents at the door. So you must be posting those out at the moment. But with regards to the hearings now, the interesting thing here is we used to have 
loads and loads of judges doing loads and loads of hearings of about 10 minutes long all day every day just doing eviction court that's now changed a lot of the judges have been removed and we're now only working with the more um experienced judges on all of the courts across the country so a lot of the judges have been sort of downgraded and taken off the eviction so we're now only working with the higher level of judges this will mean longer hearings as well. So they won't just be the 10 minutes. It will be longer than that in some cases. But it also means that we won't be having so many hearings a day. So also a lot of the courts aren't reopening. So we need to bear that in mind as well. But it's quite possible that the backlog is going to take a lot longer to get through than what we thought. We also know that we're not going to have the Nightingale courts that we heard about in the news earlier. We know they're not going to open. We know we're not going to have those. So we are literally working with a skeleton um, set of judges and the court hearings are going to be further spaced apart so that we can obviously observe social distancing, people coming and going, people waiting in waiting rooms. So the process is going to be a lot longer than we would have expected. Normally, we would expect sort of an eight week period. Um, the court set that out in their practice directive originally, but that has been scrapped with this practice directive 55C. So we no longer have a time limit from the date of application to the date of hearing, which usually was about eight weeks. It can be a lot longer than that and nobody can hold the court for ransom with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. At least now we've got something to look forward to, though. You know, I mean, there are tenants that, that won't pay because they just don't want to pay. We'll come on to that in a minute. Glenn, saying go on and have a rant. Glenn, there's nothing you can do or say today to make me rant. I'm in a good place. There are no rants today. Andrew's saying is proof of postage rather than sign for OK. I think, Andrew, as much as you can do, and when you're building a chain of evidence, do as much as you can do. So yes, absolutely, do everything. In the olden days, when we used to, you know, be able to serve notice um, in the traditional format, I used to go and serve Section Twenty One or Section Eight myself, and used to have someone following me the camera, and they used to record me actually serving the notice, and then I also used to get my um, that my team uh, to sign a statement to say that they did it on the time, the day. You know, I never ever had to have it, but I also had a newspaper that um, had the date on that we used to take a photograph of. It formed part of the evidence to prove that we served it on that day. Now, that is probably way too much. You probably don't need to do half of that. But I've got this philosophy that it's better to have and not need. So, yes, definitely. Just insane. You can't get this to play. It's stuck in the loop. Sorry, Justin. I think it's working. Perhaps it's your internet connection. Do apologize for that. Sam saying hi, guys. Good to see you, Julie. Um, Rad, Radislav saying, what are the notice periods? We've done that. We've done the notice periods. I think we've already covered that one. Prince is saying, after Monday, will the notice period be for Section 21? Is it still three months or back to two? It's still three months. It's not changed, as Julie just mentioned, until the Coronavirus Act stops um, in October. It's October or September, Julie? 30th of September. September, October and September, then kind of, but in, but in between. 30th of September prints, um, unless the government decide to extend it, cross fingers, they won't. Okay, folks, let's go to some more questions. So now is your time to ask Julie a question about the eviction process. And if you've got any particular case that you are working on right now, that maybe we can help you with. Uh, Andrew's saying we have to stay calm and be patient. Yes, we do, Andrew. And that's a great case in point to say, look, I know 
this is frustrating for many landlords. When I say landlords, folks, I say landlords because that is the legal terminology. That means landladies as well. I'm not being sexist, but that is the legal terminology. So there are landlords, landladies out there that are literally pulling their hair out, but you've got to stay patient and you've got to remain professional. Don't be tempted to do what lots of people are suggesting on the internet and removing windows was one that I saw last week um, and turning off the heating and, you know, you will be held for harassment. It will be tantamount to eviction and that will be unlawful. You've got to be able to sleep at night. This is going to be short-lived and it will be a distant memory coming up soon. Paul is saying, I have a section 21, which is just under four months served from Monday can I request an accelerated possession order, Julie? The you served was um, three months notice in, in, obviously in line with the Coronavirus Act. Yes, you can apply for an accelerated possession. Now, one problem I am going to just throw into the mix, as of Monday this week, the accelerated possession claim form, the N5B, has disappeared. It is no longer on the government website it's gone Oof. so I think that this is just some kind of little ploy by the government to um, ensure nobody can put an accelerated possession claim in because they've removed the form we don't know where the form's gone um, we've put in some questions to the government and the Ministry of Justice to ask where the form has gone um, we haven't heard anything back yet so hopefully that will be back in place Monday but there's nothing stopping people putting the claims in today the courts are shut but you can still put your claims in and once you put your claims in your your clock will stop on your time periods for your notices so like I said section 21 has only got a, tw a six month shelf life if you're in a position where that six months is due to expire get your claim in otherwise you are going to lose your chance to use your section 21 yeah, great advice. Really good advice. Please, sirens in the background there, Julie, and they seem to stop quite abruptly right outside your house. Um, is there anything there that uh, you're not telling us? Are the police looking for you? <laughs> Hope not. All right. So, folks, what I'd like you to do is tell me, have you got a possession claim at the moment ongoing? So put that in the comments just so we can see. Have you got a possession claim at the moment that is outstanding and ongoing? I have. I've got one. Um, I'll let you know how that goes. All right, Julie. So let's move forward a little bit out of this then. And we'll talk a little bit about our friends. And some of the less some of the left wingers are constantly lobbying the government to get the eviction ban extended. Now, depends on who you um, you know where you go and what you read. We've got generation rent. We've got the um, LRU. We've got can't pay, don't pay. Acorn have come out this morning, and they're all making these massive statements and massive claims that. Next week, effectively, the government are going to be starting to make people homeless because we're just going to be kicking people out willy-nilly. What are your thoughts on that? Is it founded or is it just them trying to get on the back of the news for their own marketing purposes? It's absolutely them just banging a drum in regards to their own their own bandwagon as I've just explained with regards to the time limits that are already set out in the practice directive for this when the courtrooms open on Monday morning no one's going to be getting a hearing for at least 21 days you know if not longer those hearings have to be in place after people have followed all of the process with regards to the reactivation notices all of that admin is going to be processed 
Yes, people are going to be made homeless, but they're nine times out of 10, as we know, a landlord will not evict a good paying tenant. There's no reason or rhyme to that. People are going to be evicted because they have done something that is a fault. They have breached the tenancy in some way. And we need to understand that when we're hearing all this in the media, you know, extend the eviction bans. That's not the answer. The answer is giving the right information to tenants in the first place. Stop using the, the, the phrases of rent holidays and ban on evictions. There was no ban on evictions. All that happened was the courts shut their doors and stopped working. It didn't stop the eviction process happening behind closed doors it just meant physically the bailiffs weren't going to turn up and remove people from their properties very similar tesco stopped you know close their doors tomorrow but you still online shop it doesn't mean that tesco's has stopped trading that's what i think people needed to understand and the media weren't helping with the terminology that they were using Unfortunately, no matter what the government did, they were always going to have somebody that told them they weren't doing it right and they, they'd avoided some part of society. But running a property is running a business, whether it's one little bedroom flat back here in, in the dark ends of Hemel or whether you've got a great big portfolio in London. You are running a business and you cannot run a business without an income. No business can. You know, Julie, uh, um, I mentioned it this morning, Thangdom Debonair, which is a great name, I love the name, our shadow um, MPs, they've, they've just literally today got on the back of whether you think it's a farce or not, you know, we're not here to sort of talk about that, of the um, A-level results and how the algorithms have now been taken away in the government that made a U-turn. And they're using that against the government now to say that the rental uh, element is, is you know, um, another sham and another way of the, com the country being run uh, particularly poorly. I think any excuse that, you know, the, the opposition can get on the back of anything at any time, it's just another marketing campaign just to win seats, isn't it? That's all it's for. Yeah, absolutely. And and they'll always do that. There'll always be the argument on something. Something somebody's always done is wrong, whether it's right or wrong. But, you know, the, the key thing is we can extend the eviction ban if we wish, and, and we won't evict anybody until March next year, for example. But the issue you've then got is landlords are going to be sitting with properties that they don't have the money to maintain the standard of living is going to go down the quality of property is going to go down so you're actually going to end up putting tenants in disrepair and in squalor through no fault of the landlord because they can't repair when they haven't got the income coming in to repair it yeah yeah i totally agree with that a few points coming in um Leo, thank you just wait for the feedback to go. Jerry's saying great content. Thank you. Andrew's saying, um, you know, um, well said, Julie. Uh, Glenn's saying I've served both Section 8 and 21 on one tenant. Can we still do that, Julie? Can we still serve Section 8 and 21 together now? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Both notices can still be served. Um, obviously, one is there for, for you to get your money back, which is the Section 8. And obviously, the Section 21 is your guaranteed eviction. Julie, can we um, just mention to the, the watchers then, um, we've got sort of about 70 or 80 people watching live now. This is going to go out on other forums later, so it's going to get quite a lot of coverage. Could you help people watching now with the, the process from start to finish? If people are not sure and if they want to evict a tenant for non-payment, OK, so it's not just because 
they you know they want my house back or they want to move back in so we're going to say for non-payment because that's pretty much most of the eviction possession orders at the moment what do they need to do what forms do they need to complete and how do they do it could you help with that yeah absolutely so if you wanted to serve notice today and it's for rent arrears you're serving notice under section eight so you're going to need the correct form for section eight now all of these forms are available on the government website i would advise using the government website because they are the ones that are kept most up to date especially with all the changes that we've seen so you're going to be serving a section eight undergrounds eight ten and eleven depending on how the rent arrears sit under those grounds so whether it's two months in arrears or whether it's just consistent late or or missed payments you're also going to serve a section 21, which now has to be in the prescribed form 6A. So you have to make sure you get those right. And both of those notices are going to be three months notice. Once your three months has expired, you are then going to apply for the court for possession. You're going to fill out the appropriate form. So we've already talked about the N5B for accelerating possession. So you're going to fill out your N5 and you're going to put that into the court for possession. Now, because it's after the 3rd of August, what you're going to have to do on that form is put in two years worth of rent statements and you're going to have to put in what coronavirus effect has had on your tenants or their dependents. That all goes in the form. The form hasn't been updated to give you a clear box to do that in. So you can either just attach um, an additional sheet or if there is anywhere in the box that you feel that it would be appropriate to put it in but it just needs to get into that form. And you send that to the court, three copies to the court as you normally would, and then you will wait for the court to contact you for your hearing. Perfect. Thank you, Julie. Let's just um, everyone give, give Julie a bit of kudos for that because there's a step-by-step -step instruction of what you need to do. So let's just give Julie a big thank you for that, folks, as a community. Just type in thank you in the comments. That'd be awesome. Julie, what are your thoughts on buying tenants out? If, you know, people want, their property back they are the tenants are in there at the moment they might have to wait so if if they go let's face it right if we go to three months and the tenant doesn't leave because they could leave right you give them three months notice in a perfect world the tenant goes you don't need to go for a possession hearing if they don't leave then you've got to go to court if they either don't turn up a court or the court adjourns and then you have to go back. Or if there's a possession order given, which is usually about two weeks from the date, usually in my experience, I mean, I know it's going to change. Um, and then if the tenant still doesn't leave, you've got to again go back to court and get a warrant. Now, it also depends on how long that will take because the, you know, the warrant offices are going to be busy and backlogged as well. So that in itself could take two or three months. So effectively, you've got three months when you serve notice. If they don't leave, then you've got to apply to the court, which could take another, let's just say, let's keep it nice and easy, a month. All right, it might take longer than that, folks. That's four. So you go to court, the possession hearing goes ahead, and the court gives two weeks' notice for them to move out. They don't move out. You go back to court, and you apply for a warrant. That's another month at least. could be six months before you could even get to the warrant stage. And sometimes the warrant officers, or the bailiffs, whatever you like to call them, might even have to go back twice because the first they would just negotiate normally and depends on what they're met with it might mean you have to apply for another one and they have to make a second visit before they can forcibly remove the tenant that can happen so we're looking at a really long process here so lots of people 
um, won't want to wait that long. And that is a long time to go without any money. What are your thoughts on buying tenants out, offering them a sweetener? If so, is it um, is it lawful, number one? Number two, um, what is the paperwork involved that you would have to make sure to cover your backside should you go down that route? Long question. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at this as a viable option and it is totally legal as long as it's done properly. Now, this would be what we called a surrender of tenancy. So although we say there's only two ways that a tenancy can be ended, and that's by the tenant or by the court, you can, by mutual agreement with your tenant, end your tenancy without having to go to court. Now, if that means you've got to pay them a couple of hundred quid to go away, then pay them a couple of hundred quid to go away, because the price you're going to pay going through the court system is going to be horrendous because if they stop paying their rent and you've now got six to eight months to wait for an eviction that's a lot of rent to not get on top of the court costs but you need to make sure from a paper trail point of view you're signing the right documents with your tenant now this needs to be a deed of surrender now a deed of surrender is specifically laid out it's not in a prescribed form per se but it does have to have certain pieces of information in it so obviously the the date and time and, and everything like that has to be in there there's lots of places where you can download um, a template deed of surrender that has to be signed by the tenant and you but you have to understand that as soon as that deed of surrender is signed and the tenants move out that's it their liability ends so you can't then go back and say well I couldn't find another tenant for the next six weeks you're liable for the rent that deed of surrender ends it for everybody everyone just walks away clean it's a bit like a going bankrupt with your property. You're just letting the tenant go bankrupt. They're walking away. You have to understand that's the implications of a deed of surrender. Do not do what I've seen a lot of landlords do, which is pay the tenant 500 quid to, let, to leave. They collect the keys back and the tenant leaves. There's nothing signed. Yes, you can call that implied surrender. And should the tenant come back to you and say you illegally evict me, you might have an argument, but you've got no way of proving it. So really be careful that you're getting documents signed. Like I say, you don't necessarily need a solicitor involved in that. It's a quite a simple document and it's a simple process. It's not a legal process where you need to ensure that a court is going to see that you followed a process correctly. It is just a document to show that you have both agreed to end that liability on the tenancy. It's you know, if that tenant ever comes back and said, you kick me out, uh -uh, I've got a deed of surrender here. We've done that loads of times. And what we all we always put in, I am surrendering my contract from the date of X from my, from my own free will. Um, so, you know, if they ever come back and say that you forced their hand, um, everyone's got a price, folks, you know. And I think sometimes it's really it's hard and it's frustrating because you think, well, you know, you owe me, I don't know, let's say five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds. Yes. But how much headspace is it taking of yours at the moment? And how much hassle is that tenant causing the other tenants in the house, potentially forcing them out um, and, and costing you even more money in the long run? Don't go in with the price, though. My advice would be don't go in and say, hello, Mrs. Tenant or Mr. Tenant. I'm going to give you X because actually their price might be a lot lower than you than you actually realize. Uh, I remember a few years ago, quite a few years ago, I took a property over blind and I didn't go and view it on exchange or completion day. Uh, and I left it there for a couple of weeks. And then I got my team together and we all sort of surrounded the house, went in there, switched off the utilities. You know, we we're going to go back to brick. And there were two people living there. 
were like, whoa, who are you? And they were like, well, who are you? They're obviously broken in and they were they were squatting. And they said, well, we live here. So no, you don't. They say, well, you prove we don't. So okay, I've got my team here. We're ready to rip out now. Well, you can't do that now because that's against my human rights. Okay, how much do you want? And we negotiated it there and then on the day, got them to sign, paid them £200 each, and they left on the day. Now, that's a perfect example. I'm not saying it's always going to go that way. Um, but don't do what I did. You know, Make sure you go in there before exchange and there are no sitting tenants, as it were. Um, Kemi saying this is really scary business. I don't think you should get scared of it, Kemi. I think what we like to do, and certainly what I like to do, is all about sharing the complete openness of business and property. Now, Sometimes things go wrong in everything we do. It's not always a, a, an easy ride. And, you know, no matter what business you're in, whether you're in property, whether you're in Forex trading, whether you're in retail, shit happens. But it's how you deal with it that defines you. And that's how you move forwards. Now, lots of people might think that, hey, this is too much for me now. I'm out. I don't want to be in the private rental sector anymore. Well, that will create opportunity for other people to come in. But I think it's the only fair thing that we can do is share the good and the bad, because this is the reality of being in business. But if you've got people on your side, like Julie and Julie's group and myself and our community helping you move forwards, then you've got someone that's got your back. You've got someone that's really, you know, got your best interests at heart. And again, if you choose to use an eviction specialist, then pay someone to do it for you. So don't think of it as being scary. You know, sometimes you've got to roll with the punches and sometimes business is good and sometimes business isn't so good. So Kemi's saying very true, no problem at all. So loads of thank yous coming in. Um, Heather saying thank you, Julie. Andre, thank you. Steve saying thank you. Alan saying thank you. Sally, Jason, I can't do all the thank yous because I'd be here all day. Finally, Julie, I wanted to talk to you about um, the forthcoming removal of Section 21. Um, the forthcoming removal, because we thought that this would be here now. Actually, we, we presumed it would be here at the very latest in March or April this year. But then, of course, because of coronavirus, rightfully so, it's all been sort of pulled back. So for those that are watching that aren't aware, uh, last year or the year before, I can't remember now, the government announced the repeal of the Section 21 no-fault eviction. Now, up until now, Section 21 has been really sort of an easy way for landlords to serve on tenants, give them two months' notice, after they're in month four of their tenancy, with no reason, we just want you to leave, provided you served all of the necessary prescribed information and what have you. And now the government are or have been saying that they're no longer going to allow landlords to do that moving forwards when they uh, repeal that legislation. Now, lots of people have got quite scared at the beginning, thinking, oh, wow, how am I going to evict the tenant? Is this back to pre-housing act? days where you've got a secured tenancy and there are still some of those by the way they downvalue houses secure tenancies um and you know are, are we going to go back into that so lots of people got scared now i think personally um last time we served the section 21 not wasn't actually that long ago now but over the years we've probably only done a handful maybe three or four do you think this is going to change the way, Julie, we operate as landlords and landladies? And if it does happen, which I think it will, not until next year, but it will, what do we need to replace it? What are your thoughts on that? Just a bit of a general sort of, what do you think? 
Okay, so the legislation that you're talking about is the Rented Homes Bill. Um, at the moment, that hasn't got a date for a second reading. Um, so at the moment, as we know, Parliament has um, gone into recess for their summer break. Um, I think it's the 1st of September they restart. So they won't be looking at any acts or bills at the moment until then. Um, I think removing Section 21 from the Housing Act is a good idea. I know a lot of people think it isn't, but I think it's a good idea simply because landlords, I've seen more and more landlords getting a little bit lazy with regards to their, their business of property and not understanding what it really means to evict a tenant. People rely on the Section 21 to basically fix everything, every problem. Oh, just serve them a Section 21, you know. Yes, it is a guaranteed eviction as long as you've served your documents correctly, but we have to understanding no fault notice so the tenant should have done nothing wrong for you to serve a section 21 but people are serving section 21s for rent arrears they're serving it for antisocial behavior they're serving it for breaches of tenancy they're serving it for pets this is not what a section 21 is for it's for you to reclaim your property back if there's no other way that you can say that that's possible so I would say to landlords you need to understand the law of eviction better and understand section eight better there are 17 i think there's 17 grounds now under section eight where you can evict a tenant now yes some of them are mandatory and some of them are discretionary but that's what the government will be looking at with regards to once section 21 is removed updating section eight so that we've got more mandatory grounds so we do know that there will be a ground in there that says if you just want your property back, if you want to sell it, there'll be a ground in there that's mandatory. So you just serve that ground, let's say ground two, and you'll get your eviction. So there are going to be all of those put in place, but it's just understanding that a breach of contract needs to be um, addressed in the correct way with the correct grounds. So I've got a landlord that I'm working with at the moment, wants his property back. Tenant's done nothing wrong. So yes, of course, a section 20 one but he wants to move back in so if he'd have been educated prior to giving that tenant the tenancy he would have served a ground one notice on that tenant saying that once the tenancy ends i want to move back in so he could have got that notice in and wouldn't need the section 21 so it's just understanding the law that sits around property and how the eviction process actually works getting rid of section 21 i don't think is going to make too much of a difference in regards to landlords but it just means that landlords will just have to sharpen their pencil and sort of be a bit more up to speed with what it means to evict a tenant and what grounds to use. Some really, really good advice there, Julie. Thank you. Really good advice. You know, property is fraught with legislation and, and rightfully so, and it should be, because that legislation, you know, keeps everybody at or should be an even keel, a, a minimum standard. And then we can make sure that we're looking after our tenants and giving them a comfortable place to live. Now, for those that are watching and thinking, oh, there's so much to consider. And um, yes, you need to know what you're doing. You need to educate yourselves. But there are people out there that can help you. I don't know everything. Of course, I don't. I'd be very you know, silly to say I did. Julie doesn't know everything. But what we do is we research things before we bring it out to the community, just so we know exactly what it is that people want to listen to. And we give the right information. Now, I think Henry Ford made a very, um, a very famous statement way back in the day that said, ask me any question about my business and I'll pick up the phone and find someone that can give you the answer. 
And I think that's a great statement to say that if anyone's thinking and watching this, that, you know, you're worried about stuff, you can pay people to be on your team. You can get people to be in your business that know those things. You don't need to know absolutely everything, but you do need to make sure you're compliant, which is really important. So finally, folks, thank you, Julie. I'm very conscious of time. We're nearly an hour in now. Absolutely fantastic content, Julie. Adam is saying thank you. I need to put my head above this one. Happens, you know, it does happen. Um, Rashmi is saying, I have a tenant who has been paying reduced rent since the, um, since five months now and is £2,250 in arrears. Initially agreed three months reduced rent. Finally, in July, they had agreed to pay the arrears in two and three installments by September, but now saying that they can't pay the arrears until further notice, but will pay full rent this month. Okay. Um, is there a question there, Rashmi? I'm not sure. So if you're looking for the eviction procedure, just follow all of the steps that Julie's gone through and you can get your possession hearing in court. Um, I think, you know, we are being encouraged as landlords to work with our tenants very much. And if you are getting some rent, then my advice would be try and work with your tenant as much as you can. Give them the opportunity to bring things back into line and to help them move forwards. I think in the most severe circumstances, when tenants either are not talking to you or they are very obviously just using this as an excuse not to pay, then we can go down the eviction route. If it's genuine and if tenants are really trying their best, I personally think they have a moral obligation to be able to help those tenants out of that situation where possible, my thoughts. Um, Andrew saying thank you both, no problem. Lots of thank yous coming in. I think we're done on the questions. David saying, Julie, what is the name of your group again, please? It is the Hemel Landlord Property Network and we're based in Hemel Hempstead in Hertfordshire. Um, but the group is available on Facebook for anybody. There are just a couple of um, points that I'd just like to add as well, Rick, if that's okay. Mm. Um, with regards to the reactivation notice, I want landlords and letting agents to be aware tenants can also serve a reactivation notice. This doesn't land solely on landlords and letting agents. So if your tenant is looking to be evicted because they need that, they can serve the reactivation notice. So you need to be mindful that you're having conversations with your tenant because the last thing you need is all of a sudden a hearing date to turn up on your doorstep and you don't know why. So that's that's the first thing. And the second thing is I've spoken to a lot of people who think that they can now just bypass the court process and go straight to the high court because obviously they feel that the high court hasn't been affected by this practice directive. It has been affected by this practice directive. So what will happen if you want to go to the high court, you will have to ask the court's permission, your county court's permission to accelerate that to the high court. That will obviously not be the first thing on a judge's um, desk to do in the morning. So it's liable to give you even more um, delay. But what used to happen is a high court sheriff would basically get that to go and he would turn up on the door, no notice to the tenant and they'd evict there and then. This has all changed. High court sheriffs must now give a minimum of 14 days notice to a tenant that they are turning up to evict. So again, it gives the opportunity for a tenant to actually apply to the court to have that 
stayed um, or an extension. Now, under both Section 21 and Section 8, a tenant can ask for the eviction to be extended by a minimum of 46 days. So you are looking at possibly another you know, month and a bit if your tenant gets the right advice. So I just wanted to get that out there for you guys. Brilliant advice, Julie. Um, I don't think there are, there's, at the moment I'm thinking out in my head here, I don't know anywhere that offers this type of free advice on the internet right now. So I think, folks, that once again, give kudos to Julie. Um, get over to Julie's group, the Hemel Property Group. Um, obviously, Julie heads that group. It's a really active group. And it's just providing the right information at the right time, which is now, because things are moving. I think the property rental sector is going to be a very exciting place moving forwards. And at the end of the day, you've got to understand that regardless of what happens with the, um, the, the ending of the furlough scheme and the ending of the stamp duty land tax incentive, people will always need somewhere to live. And the government cannot provide as many houses as they are requested to each year in every manifesto, no matter what you read. 300,000 houses is a big ask, and they're not providing that. So they will always fall to the private rental sector. So longevity, absolutely. In every strategy, single lets, buy to lets, flats, HMOs, everything and everything in between. It's all going to be here in 10 years' time. This is just one of those peak and trough elements and We'll we'll all get through it. You know, we just got to adapt with the times. If you don't adapt, you don't survive. It's as simple as that, folks. So I want to say thank you again to Julie. Amazing content again. We should do a lot more of these. I'm just going to finish up with the comments. Teresa saying thank you for clarification. Colleen is saying fantastic info. Thank you. Uh, Sally, thank you both. Great info. Rashmi saying thank you both. Manny, you make you both make a great team. Solid content. Thank you so much. David, thank you. And Andrew saying thank you again. So that's it, folks. Thank you again to Julie. And what I want to do now is just very quickly remind you that to get more of this content, folks, this is today. It's exclusive in Facebook today. Um, we will be putting this on the podcast later so people can watch it. But click on that follow button on my page here. Um, you know, there's no charge for that. And all it will do is bring you into the community so you get notifications when we do more of these lives. So please do click on that follow button and get yourself over to Julie's Hemel Property Facebook group. Get in with the community and get the right information that you need to move forwards. Thank you once again, Julie. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And don't forget, everyone, no matter what you do today, make sure to have some fun. See you later.